I'm Ray Winstone, and you're listening to Veterans Work, the podcast. A series that explores the skills and talents that make veterans so valuable in business. The podcast grew out of Veterans Work, the UK's leading independent veterans employability campaign. I'm Ray Winstone, and I support Veterans Work. Hello and welcome to Veterans Work, the podcast. I'm Kate Silverton. In today's episode, we look at the unique skills that make veterans so well-placed to contribute to future industries. I'm joined by Andy Mylop, Veteran and Veterans and Allies Lead at Facebook, Oz Alashe, Veteran and CEO and Founder of CyberSafe, and Lisa Marr, Veteran and Leader of the Veterans Employment Transition Support Programme. So maybe we should start by asking each of you if you wouldn't mind just showing a little bit about your military background and your journey into where which organisations you represent today. Lisa, let's start with you. Yeah, thanks, Kate. So um, I started my aspiration to join the military quite early on when I was eight years old. I got my grandmother to take me into the recruiting office and suddenly I was a little bit too young at that age. My grandmother was too old, as the recruiting sergeant mentioned. Um, <laughs> but never really wavered. And so at 18, um, I didn't even apply for university, which is probably a little short-sighted, but it worked out. And, and I went to Sandhurst and I joined the Royal Logistic Corps. So I did 16 years. Uh, transport is my background. Um, left at my 16-year pension point, having had two little children by then uh, and wasn't prepared to go away with two little boys in tow. Went to New Zealand. Um, so that was my first transition and promptly joined the New Zealand Army. <laughs> so, so did two years with New Zealand Defence Force. Um, we actually spent five years in New Zealand in total. And then I came back. Uh, we, as a family, we came back to the UK and I promptly joined the British Army again. And I served another five years. So uh, I, as I say, I'm not a, I'm not a poster girl for transition having done it twice. And I'm now out uh, officially my days in green have come to an end and I now work for Barclays Bank running their Veteran Employment Transition Support Programme. Wonderful. I kind of think you are a, a good poster girl for transition. In, out, it's just, you in, know. In, out, in, out. Not sure what I wanted to do. Probably, you know, says a lot for that transitional process and it, me just, you know, taking my time to find out what I actually wanted to do. And I think that's often half the problem. Yeah, well, we'll delve into that a little deeper, if you don't mind. So I think that's quite an interesting, the lessons that you've learned as a result and what you now understand, maybe in terms of confidence, as you say, in terms of coming out. Sure. Um, so we'll come back to that, if you don't mind. But Oz, let's bring you in at this point. Yeah, so I um, found out about the military through school, joined the CCF when I was um, at school, you kind of had to, uh, and loved every second of it, went to university and joined the OTC, the Officer Training Corps. Um, totally assumed that uh, being in the military was about drinking and um, doing things other than being in the military because that's what you did in the OTC. And so I, uh, I thought I'd go to Sandhurst because I thought it would be a fantastic opportunity for me to just learn a little bit more about myself actually rather than uh, uh, anybody else and of course also serve. But I didn't come from a military background. I grew up in London, went to school in Hertfordshire, uh, went to university in Berkshire. So kind of all over the place, didn't really um, see the value in uh, the county system or the, the family regimental system at that point um, and happened to watch an episode of EastEnders which some people listening will will know what that was so a really troubled character on stage called Grant Mitchell uh, gobbing off about his time in the parachute regiment and thought I'm going to join the parachute regiment <laughs> and so um, that's literally how I made my decision about what regiment to join 
So when Arlene Sandhurst commissioned into the Parachute Regiment, had a, a fantastic time and left after 17 years. Um, and I now run a software company, a cybersecurity um, company based in Canary Wharf. Um, we've been doing that now for four years. Um, we're growing rather quickly. It's absolute chaos. I loved every second of service and enjoying this now. And, and so cybersecurity sounds terribly mysterious and, um, yeah, and very interesting. So <laughs> how does one make the jump into mm. cybersecurity? So actually people go into cybersecurity in lots of different ways. For me, um, I spent quite a lot of time chasing, uh, I guess, trying to understand why unpleasant people were doing what they were doing. This is whilst in the military and how they were doing it. So I, what were people doing online in order to access information that they shouldn't have had? I was focused on um, counterterrorism and national security for 12 of my 17 years. So uh, cybersecurity, a large chunk of that is that. How do people get access to our networks, our systems, and our data, and what can we do to protect ourselves against that? And so we are focused on the human aspect of cybersecurity. And, um, and that's what we do at CybeSafe. CybeSafe is a software company that focuses on that. But there are so many ways into cybersecurity, and I suspect we'll talk about lots of other things that veterans are doing in cybersecurity that have nothing to do with um, the human aspect, maybe more to do with the threat intelligence side, for example. Okay, well, we will indeed pick up on that, but not before we bring Andy in. Thanks, Kate. Um, so, I suppose similar to, to Lisa, really, I, uh, I've been interested in a military career from a very young age, probably seven or eight. And I had uh, a slightly eccentric uncle who had originally served as a lieutenant colonel in the Indian Army, who um, loved a gin and tonic and, you know, had lots of stories to tell. So... You know, he was quite a strong influence uh, on my life, I suppose, as I was growing up, uh, you know, particularly early teens. And then my parents had a pretty messy divorce and uh, I ended up joining the army as a rifleman. Uh, so I joined the Royal Green Jackets and served in Northern Ireland, uh, which was definitely an interesting experience in, uh, you know, in the, in the mid 80s, um, still pretty you know, pretty rough being on tour um, in West Belfast. And um, yeah, after that tour, I went back to Germany, carried on serving. Uh, in the end, got into a relationship and um, decided that it was time to, to leave the army and kind of enter the civilian world. And um, yeah, the relationship didn't work out in the end. Uh, and I found myself falling in love with adventure sports. Uh, and particularly skydiving. So I'd started parachuting, sport parachuting in the army, uh, Bad Lip Springer in Germany and Netherhaven in the UK. Um, did an AFF course, accelerated freefall course, just absolutely loved it. And there was something about the community in skydiving that reminded me of the, of, of the military. You know, lots of very different people, but quite close knit. And that actually took me then to all around the world, spent some time in the US. Ended up going to Australia, then New Zealand, living in New Zealand for, I think, four years and working as a professional skydiver at Wanaka. And any, anyone that knows Wanaka, it's <laughs> described as like an alpine village, um, but it's beautiful. It's the fourth largest lake, Mount Spine National Park in the background. Um, and I'd wake up every day and go and jump out of planes and get paid to do it. So it was amazing. But I realised that, you know, it probably wasn't going to be um, a lifelong career. So love loved the time that I had. Uh, I started thinking about really what I wanted to do and thought about business and tech. Um, got in contact with a few universities, came back from New Zealand, went to the University of Portsmouth, studied kind of 
I suppose, a mix of um, business, marketing and, and technology. Uh, graduated and ended up working for a publishing company um, and then to a tech company which was acquired by Google. So I ended up working uh, for Google um, for a few years and then to Facebook. So um, I've been very fortunate you know, to, um, to work for two very large global technology companies, uh, but it's been an incredible, you know, incredible journey. I'll say, uh, multifaceted to say the least, do you just follow your heart when you're making, because I can almost hear, or okay, if I'm listening, I would be saying, wow, I'd like the skydiving bit, but then, but then tech, how do I, you know, how do you get from New Zealand back to making that leap and planning out a career? Because I think that sometimes, and maybe I'll ask all of you this, I imagine there might be that, that sort of fear of that vacuum that you think, gosh, might open up once I step outside of the military. How do I make sure that I, I land safely uh, coming back to the parachuting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, how did, you know, have you just followed your heart? What's the, what's the secret? I think um, I've, never, I've never been afraid of reinvention. I think, I think that's what it is. I think the army definitely instilled some self-belief. And, you know, I, I've always believed that if you apply yourself to something, if you really apply yourself to something and you are really passionate about it, You'll make it work. You'll find a way, and um, I think you know that that was definitely the, the case with uh, with the skydiving, and and actually the case with you know with technology and marketing. Um, it was it was just something that I really enjoyed, and I think for me it's not being afraid of that reinvention. If you if you really feel that you can do something, I believe that you can do it. I love that. I subscribe to that. What about you two? I think that um, one of the things I, that actually often surprises me is quite often when veterans or when service people come to leave, there is a nervousness um, about stepping into the civilian world, um, which is slightly amusing sometimes when you think about going the other way, leaving the civilian world and joining the armed forces. I mean, that, that really is a, a big leap and a big step. And of course, for some people, they're doing it really at a rather young age. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes, early on in our lives, we are more willing to make that change. We're almost more willing to back ourselves to just work it out as we go. Um, but come the other end, maybe the risk is higher and maybe some of the reasons um, we, we feel that nervousness or some people feel that nervousness is because of that. And I, I think that actually, Sanders just suggested, you know, this idea of reinvention is something that is really quite important today, whether it's people in the civilian world changing jobs maybe two or three years actually this this idea of reinvention and being comfortable with what one has learnt and building upon that as one moves i think is something that we just really need to encourage everybody to do but of course the veteran community as well and how do we best do that lisa sorry how do we best how do we best um encourage people to embrace reinvention i think it's really important that whilst people are serving they've got to start thinking about their future because everybody's time will come to an end at some point, whether it's whether you, you know, see out your engagements or whether you leave because of family reasons, relationship reasons, whatever that might be, injury even, you know, that, that there is a finite point in your career when it's time to step out of the green, the light blue or the, or the navy. 
and you've got to start thinking about what am I going to do next and, and that's something I didn't do you know when I um, transitioned I went and did a ski instructor course not too far from Wanaka <laughs> strangely yeah. but you know I mean completely useless for you know a future career because I was never going to do that full time but I didn't know what else uh, there was an opportunity I took it had a great eight weeks uh, in Queenstown and you know didn't think about the future and, it, and it's really short-sighted but I also think when I left originally in 2009 transition was a very different beast and I think it's absolutely progressed hugely in, in those last few years and there is a real a resurgence of people pushing people who are serving now to start looking much earlier on rather than just that you know you press the seven buttons of freedom you've got two years to think about it I think there's a real push both externally from all of our businesses like ours uh, but also within the military to say to people right start thinking about your future what qualifications are you going to do and start to translate those qualifications so when they come to that two-year point they're almost kind of there or starting to think about what those transferable skills and how they relate in the real world. And there's a theme that's come up in, in the previous podcast, actually, that, that I've just heard from, from Andy and Lisa there, is that actually it doesn't, the first job that you take, even if it is an eight-week ski course, doesn't have to be the be-all and end-all. Sometimes it's just trying things out, not being afraid to try different jobs when you come out. Would that be... Completely. It's about grasping the opportunities, I think, that present themselves because you never know where they lead, you know, and that's a classic, you know, me arriving at Barclays uh, and people who are listening who know me know I never wanted to work for the bank. Andy's nodding because <laughs> he's heard this. And I never wanted to work in London. And look where I am. I'm working for a bank and I'm working in London. But, you know, that's because I was short-sighted about what large corporates could offer me and the kind of roles that were within that. So again, it's about it's about listening, it's about speaking to people, utilising the network and grasping opportunities when they present themselves. So let's pick up on that, that sort of short-sightedness, if we can put it, in the nicest possible way. Because, Oz, you would say that veterans are uniquely placed to enter the tech sector. But in previous podcasts, I've been discussing that they're actually there might be a reticence of people who are well, tech, that doesn't mm -hmm. suit me, doesn't, you know, my skills don't apply there. But you would say otherwise. I would do, um, and I would do for a number of reasons, not least of which because a little bit like often people from outside the military do with the military, I think um, some veterans will look at the tech, tech sector and discount it on the basis of assumption. Um, uh, I assume that you need to be really quite technical to go and work in the tech sector, for example, and I, I'm not a technical person, it might be something that somebody was saying, as opposed to thinking, actually the tech sector is a sector. And within it, there are all sorts of jobs. So of course, there are some really rather technical roles, people who are um, building incredible technology. But there are also people out there selling it. There are also people product managing it, i.e. literally working out what does the customer need? What does that problem look like? How do I break that down into something that can be built? And then how do I make sure that what built actually solves the problem we went out for in the first place? So it's a, there's so much in the tech sector. And the reason I suggest that veterans are uniquely placed which um, I guess some people would probably disagree with, understandably. But the reason I suggest that is the tech sector is moving so fast. It really does attract people who can imagine the future, see very few barriers to getting there, and back themselves to make the changes necessary to make something special happen. Mm. Most veterans I know, in one way, shape or form, fall into that category. You're nodding, Andy. I, yeah, I really agree with... Um, you know, with Oz, because if I think about Facebook, uh, a lot of people would probably assume, well, you know, a lot of jobs are in engineering, um, which they are. 
But then you start to think about, you know, the, the, the company and, you know, I start to think about all the roles that veterans are actually employed in. And that ranges from marketing to product management to finance to compliance to physical security to cyber security. So actually, yes, of course, you know, engineering is, is, is a, a, you know, a key role and a key element of the workforce within a technology company. But there are lots of other opportunities that I think are probably not completely understood um, by, you know, by many people that are leaving perhaps the armed forces, that it's not just about engineering. There are lots of other opportunities. And is the onus on companies like Facebook or yours or Barclays, is the onus on the employer to reach out and say, this is what we're looking for? I mean, where is, is, is there a disconnect or do you think it's getting better in terms of how veterans are perceived and the skills that they bring to the workplace? I think it's definitely improving. As I said, you know, when I left in 2009, I wasn't aware of any of the companies um, running programs like Vets, like Facebook yeah. have, you know, Amazon have their internships and, and lots of companies are doing brilliant work, you know, in this space. I mean, Deloitte running these veterans work films, you know, it, it does so much to push the messaging out there, but it can't just all be one way. It, you know, it's the veteran who is looking for work. The veteran have, the veterans have to do their own due diligence and look for work just like everybody else has to do when they're changing jobs. So. You can probably tell I feel really strongly about this. It's it's absolutely got to be, you know, both sides. And I think business has moved an awfully long way. As I say, there's some fantastic opportunities and, and you know, opportunities to get into business that I don't think any other sector has. I don't know of any other uh, workplace. The police don't get CTP and help in transitioning. You know, the ambulance service don't. We are uniquely positioned where we get so much help, not only as we're transitioning out, but also companies running bespoke packages, especially for military personnel and actually spouses now, which is which is a huge thing. But the veterans have to do their own due diligence. And so it's hard work finding a job. So where are the barriers if there are any? I guess it probably depends on what we're um, what we're talking about. So barriers to what? You know, in some cases. Um, if it's barriers to opportunity, for example, um, how do I how do I get a job at Facebook, for example, that a veteran might be asking themselves today, and in some cases, let's be really honest, it's really quite hard to um, see yourself doing something or find yourself into a into a particular environment if you don't know or have seen people like you who've done that before. There's so many examples within society where that's the case. So in that case, you might suggest that the barriers are maybe organisations making it really clear that there are people like you who are working here. We we really value that. You know. Yeah people with your skills. Um, so that might be one set of barriers. Another set of barriers though, rather than just to opportunity, might be to um, understanding. You know, how much do people actually understand about what's out there? There'll be people discounting um, working in cybersecurity, even though they really, really shouldn't be. You know, if you were a threat out, an intelligence analyst in the military right now, your, 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 your skill set is highly sought after within the cybersecurity community, regardless of which service, regardless of what rank, regardless of how long you've done it for. So I think there's just different types of barriers that we're aiming to try and, I guess, overcome. And I agree, I, I don't believe it's just about employers or indeed even the military addressing this. I think individuals need to take responsibility. What do you want to do? What do you want to spend your time doing? Not the job, not the, not the industry. What kind of work do you like? What makes you happy? Once we start to dig into those types of things, then we start to peel away, well, actually, I really like leading. 
I was a lance corporal or an able seaman, or I was a you know an a, 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 a first class SAC, and I really like leading. Great. Okay. How do we get you from something that focuses on majors on that? Do we need like an app to match make in that regard? I mean, I'm sorry, I don't, mean, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean that to sound simplistic, no, no, no. but I do. When you say it, it's like, yeah. of course, that. But, yes. but I can also hear someone saying, oh, but I still don't, I still don't know. So it's like, how can we close that mm. gap? I mean, is there a... I know there's lots because we've spoken to lots of people throughout the series, but I still get the sense that it's not quite as cut and dried as maybe it could be, Andy. I think one of the, one of the big challenges is actually it's a, it's a good point that, that Oz makes, you know, do, so the, you know, if I take Facebook, for example, um, do the recruitment teams have an understanding of what veterans or service leavers or spouses bring to the organization? That, that's the first thing. So how can we, you know, how can we kind of demystify, you know, the, the fact that <clears throat> veterans, service leavers, Spouses, you know, they come in different shapes and sizes. Um, so that that's one thing. And then I think that you know, the second part to it is, how do we help them understand the skills and experiences and the qualifications that are gained in service, um, and map those to the skills that are required to be able to perform a you know a specific role. Um, so, you know, to give you an example. Um, you know, it might be uh, a military policeman, for example, that has investigation skills um, that could come in and work within, you know, some form of uh, compliance role, for example. Um, so, you know, that there are, there are definitely roles that fit, you know, to skills and experiences that, you know, were, were gained in service. But I think we need, to your point, Kate, we need to do a better job of of kind of demystifying probably on both sides um, and then helping to, to, you know, to better matchmake. Is there anything that you would do within Facebook in that regard? So we have just launched uh, a skill, what we're calling a skills translator. Um, and that originated actually in the US. So I think in the US, nearly 2% of the workforce are classified as veterans, um, you know, which is, which is great. Um, you know, we've got to make up some ground in, in the UK. But this idea of a skills translator was, was founded there and then we've, we've developed it now for, for the UK. Uh, but the idea is that um, one, external applicants can kind of, can use it. Um, and secondly, the recruitment teams can use it to say, okay, now I understand, you know, if, if there was a captain or, you know, a colour sergeant, um, you know, working in, in this type of job, um, doing this type of thing with these kind of qualifications, I can now map those to you know to a role within within Facebook. Fantastic! So that's just launched, is it? That's just launched. Yeah, I think we had a presentation recently at the Officers Association, um, and we're just in the process now of really, I suppose, making that public, um, so we can actually get people using it and internally educating our recruitment teams. Um, in, in how to use it and obviously to support them. Um, I think the other thing, again, it was a great point by us, how do we, how do we bring the veterans that are working within our organisations and make, their, make them accessible? 
because I think you know that I think I'd, I'd said to you you know Kate before and I you know if you'd said to me years ago would you work for Google or Facebook you know I would have said absolutely not um I suppose you know, I didn't even know that Facebook would actually come to exist but um the the interesting thing you know is that um you know you 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 what you 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 don't know what you don't know right it, it it's um I think a lot of people it comes back to that point they probably think well they just aren't roles that are relevant to me and relevant to my experiences but that isn't isn't the case so what is it about each of your jobs that might be potentially attractive to a veteran who's listening right now what would you say about your specific roles and the companies that you work within well, the current role I'm doing is over in the Veteran Employment Transition, Transition Support, uh, Vets for Short um, programme. So my role is all about assisting the military community, you know, ex exactly as we're saying, being able to articulate what their transferable skills are, finding out about companies. You know, we've got 180 partners uh, from across all sectors who are, are all within that, Kate, to help the military community make that transition and hopefully land the right job first time round. Um, so it's, you know, it's a fantastic opportunity for actually for me to give something back to the military community. Now I've finally transitioned and jumped through those hoops and, and you know, can absolutely understand what, what people are facing, what they're feeling as they're going through that transition. And it's, you know, as you said, there's often a vacuum because you just don't know what you want to do. And, and the beauty of having that network of all those sectors is we can get people to speak to individuals within those sectors so they, you know they can speak to somebody like us and find out what actually does it mean to be in cybersecurity? what actually does it mean to be in facebook mm. and get that insider knowledge from someone who has traveled that journey you know before them uh, and and you know there's lots of volunteers lots of mentors on the platform yeah. who are just there to help those make that transition on and i think it's just a, a fabulous program um that is just all about assisting that that community finding the right the right roles within the right sector and it's you'll hear time and time again you know it's about the network tapping into that network so hopefully you can land in the right place mm. so or speaking as somebody who's founded a company and is working within the sector itself mm. what's the mm. because uh, you know someone might actually want to to found their own company who's listening so. yeah well i think that's um that is absolutely uh not something that everybody will do but there'll be many people listening who actually they've they've seen a problem that they think they can solve or they think they understand and they believe there's a solution out there and they're willing to work towards delivering against that and, and making a business out of it. And for those um, lunatics out there, then I would absolutely encourage them to, to chase that. Um, but do so with their eyes wide open, as you've just heard, you know, whether you're going into a bank or whether you're setting up a software company and going to go through all of the fun and joys of growing that, um, really connecting with people outside of your circles, which in my particular case means people outside of the military circle as well, who've yeah. done this before, absolutely. really learning from them, I would think is, is, uh, is, a, is a really key uh, thing I would highlight up front. But I would suggest, you know, why would somebody do uh, certainly what I've, I'm doing right now, it's an incredible opportunity to serve. We're focused on fundamentally transforming society by ensuring that we understand the human aspect of cybersecurity. Every single person who's listening to this is increasingly digitized, increasingly connected. We are increasingly interdependent on each other. We get to build the future. But better than that, I get to build a future knowing that I don't know half if not a fraction of what I need to know. So I've got to do it surrounded by the most remarkable people. So I get to build a team. 
I have to build the right team. I have to attract people to a vision so that they truly see the time they spend with CyberSafe as the best way they could possibly spend their time. And then on top of that, I've got to encourage somebody to trust me to let me solve the problem for them. Yeah. And it goes on and it goes on. And it's such an exciting journey. And of course, one that and anybody in the military will know, there's very little that's worthwhile that you can do on your own. So if you want to surround yourself with really great people, do just that. Just do it in your next next phase of life. You, you can still have that family that you spoke about, Andy, before, which you mm. found so important. Do you find that where you're working now? For me, it's like life it's about lifelong learning so you never stop learning and you know for me the pleasure in kind of working for you know for a company like facebook is the fact that you know as was, again you know things are moving a million miles an hour in technology so you know you can never call yourself an expert because you know they, you never will be an expert um but i think lots of different people learning from different people, being inspired by, you know, their experiences and the work that they're doing um, and being able to help other communities, uh, you know, within the company and, and, and externally. That's really rewarding. So uh, I enjoy that. So Lisa, as we look at that ever-changing landscape, what do you think employers will be looking to in terms of the future and what skills they're going to need from their workforce? Well, I think it... it, it you know, a lot of what we've learned over the last 14 months is that actually, what, what does the new normal look like in the workplace? And we're moving ever more to a dynamic, flexible workforce where often, you know, individuals are going to find themselves working from home and not necessarily surrounded by their team. So, you know, those skill sets of being resilient, you know, we've all learned that actually it's not that easy to work at home on your own over the last 14 months, you know, that's hard, but, you know, we have that resilience. We've often found ourselves, you know, across the veteran community working in places which, you know, often are not very nice places. You know, we can, we have that mindset, we have that strength of, of mind and persistence to, to get a job done. And I think that plays really nicely into that ever more, you know, distancing from the office, having to, you know, take ownership and take responsibility for your actions and, and maintain your productivity, which, you know, as we, as we know, you know, across the news, people have, have found that really difficult. And certainly that's when businesses have looked to the veteran community for their resilience, to take leadership positions, to try and drive that teamwork ethos when you've got a very disparate team, but it, you know, it's in a lot of our backgrounds and we deploy, we're not always together. And you know, and how do you, how do you compute your wish and your desire and your mission, you know, to people who are often the other ends of countries with very poor communications, you know, and if we can do it in those circumstances, we can certainly do it, you know, here when we've got stable Wi-Fi and you're sat at home with all your home comforts. So I think it's, it's I don't think there's ever been a better time really for veterans to be able to showcase what they can bring to the workforce. Awesome. You know, this really does talk to the, um, what, what is the future of work and, uh, and the, the question around um, what that means for us moving forward. And there's a huge part of that, which is about the physical. Where do people work from? How do people work? What do they, um, is expected of us? And I, I think the veteran community really does have a lot to bring there. You know, Lisa's just talk, touched on a few of those things. The ability to communicate um, in pretty uncertain circumstances. And that uncertainty might be bad Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. but that uncertainty might simply be um, with different types of people who I've never met before.
before, people I haven't ever haven't spent time with, um, uh, new new members of the team who aren't necessarily as experienced as others. You know, all of that type of stuff the veteran community can do really well. But for me, this this idea of the future of work, um, I'm quite excited about looking a little bit deeper than that. What type of work will we be doing? Um, productivity at the moment is so often measured in time and how much effort people are putting in, as opposed to what effect are they actually delivering? And the military community, the veteran community really does understand effects. Start at the end and work backwards, we always used to say. What are you trying to achieve and work backwards? And then work out what the things are to measure. The future of work is about people who can do that really quickly. So um, whether it's because you're trying to build something, um, deliver a service, uh, uh, understand something and communicate it to other people, start at the end and work backwards. The future of work is about people who find that really, really uh, easy to do, or indeed as easy to do as possible. And the veteran community, I would suggest, um, should be well placed because whether you're a driver, a chef, an intelligence operator, um, a rifleman, a sailor, start at the end and work backwards is probably something you've done quite, quite a lot of. That's the future of work for me. So I think if I think about the future of work, I think adaptability is going to be absolutely critical. Our lives are becoming more digitalized. Uh, you know, we know that the technology industry is going to continue to be a major employer going forward. And I think, you know, adaptability, the ability to, to learn new skills, um, being inquisitive, being curious, that, you know, that's important. I think the, the other thing that definitely comes to mind is you're going to be working with lots of different groups of people. And, you know, we talk at Facebook about working cross-functionally. So you can't achieve, you know, your, your job, your role, your mission on your own. You have to work with lots of groups, of, you know, with lots of different people. Um, often you have, you know, different objectives, different mindsets. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, we're very good at in the military. Because we all come, you know, as Lisa said, we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different experiences. Um, but being able to understand, being, you know, to show empathy, being able to, um, to work, you know, productively with, with a, you know, a very uh, disparate and, and different group of people to get the job done is, is going to be really, it's going to be really important. And that's something I think as, as veterans we're, we're very good at. What are the biggest misconceptions do you think exist in the workplace about veterans and the skill sets that they have? Well, I think we've come a long way from the mad, bad, sad rhetoric. I, I really do. I think that we've advanced incredibly. Um, I think there is, though, still a perception, and, and as I alluded to it earlier, that you know anyone who's served in the military is almost like one little package. And so you immediately know what that package is going to be, what it's going to look like, how it's going to react, what it's going to do, because somebody's got military on their CV. And you know that's just, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, we're three very different people sat here. We've all got very different experiences. We've all got very different backgrounds. And we're all doing very different things now. Um, you know, so it's, it's trying to get that message over to hiring managers, you know, because it's, it's, it's them who the CV lands, you know, that's where your CV lands. And they have got to be the ones that are able to think, you know, laterally about, okay, it's got military on that CV, but that doesn't actually explain what this person brings to the party. And it doesn't tell me who they are. 
And that's the bit we've really got to keep working at and trying to keep developing. You know? How? How do we do that? It's about education, Kate, I think. And, and I think, you know, all of us in this space who, who want to give back, who want to help people progress. And, you know, I know Facebook have got a very strong military network. Barclays have got a very strong military network. It's about trying to educate our colleagues, especially those in the HR, about what, what does it mean when you have military on your CV? Mm. What does it mean to you when you have applications to your company from veterans? So, and again, you know, I'm, I'm uh, one as a veteran, but two, of course, not just working alongside people in my company who are veterans, but also many, many other partners that we have and many other organisations that we have. Of course, I'm a huge fan of veterans, but I'm a huge fan of veterans um, that are good. It's the truth. Um, the reality is that uh, just because somebody is a veteran, I don't believe um, will make them naturally good for every single role or every single thing. And of course, I don't think that everything is right for everybody, which I think is, goes without saying. But I think it's worth saying because actually I do think there are some things we do want people to understand about most veterans. So there's a really high chance that if you take somebody above a certain period of time in the military, not even necessarily rank, they have had a number of things invested in them. Leadership might be one example of that. Resilience and indeed focus on robustness and focus on agile thinking or maybe even design and systems thinking depending on what they were doing before. So there are certain things that you can kind of shortcuts to take but then you still need to dig a little bit below to make sure that that individual that's done in front of you actually meets that requirement. And so for me, I think that... Um, you know, that, that's what I would really be looking at when I, when I get a military application. So what's related to both of you then, then what's the question that an employer should be asked? They get the CV, they get the person in front of them, they put the CV down. What questions should they then ask to elicit that information that you've just said they need to have, Lisa? So I would say, what is the value this individual can bring to the business? What is your value add? Do you think they will know the answer to that question, given that we've just spoken about the translation of skills and how actually there's some sort of disconnect there i'd like to think kate there is there are enough opportunities for veterans and service leavers coming out to attend workshops uh, management sessions webinars you know you didn't even have to turn up to an event now it's it's, it's all online so they should access. know their value add. they should think yeah. they should know their value add and again it, get, it goes back to that due diligence piece the individual who is seeking a role has to try and establish what they want to do and when they apply for a job they should turn up prepared for that job and that job interview just like every other member of society and you wouldn't expect someone you know from another bank to come to Barclays and not know what their value add is and I would say the onus is on the veteran to do exactly the same and it, it goes down to being prepared and being the right person for the role. I, I definitely recognise that there's, of course, sometimes a challenge because of the translation aspect. Mm. You know, if you said to me as a former paratrooper, what's my value add? Um, if I take a, you know, a relatively junior private in the parachute regiment, what's my value add in this context? I might be able to wrap that off really quickly. But then when asking me to understand or explain my value add in a very different context, think about joining a bank, think about joining a software company, it might be more challenging. But that comes to the point that you're making, which is about preparation. And help and asking for help is not you know there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever there's lots of it out there it may not be um, really obvious to you on day one but that's what the help's for so just reach out for the help whether that's directly to the types of organizations you're interested in or of course with the um, career transition partnership uh, network I think there's so many different places to turn and I think sometimes we um, because it's not always immediately obvious on day one 
we assume that it's really quite challenging, but actually sometimes it's a bit of a process. It just takes a bit of time. Yeah, and that I love that question. And actually, I so what's your value add? Is actually saying, what are you good at? That's it, isn't it? What are yeah, you good at? And, and coming back to your point, what do you enjoy? Because actually, if we enjoy something, we're going to be good at it because we all apply ourselves. It comes down to that, doesn't it? Is it that? I think so. I think it, you know, they say that, you know, your strengths are your passions. So I think if you're, if you understand that, if you're, you know, if, if you can spend the time, I suppose, uh, you know, really understanding yourself and thinking about this reinvention. So not, of course, you're going to look back at your service and think, okay, what are the things that I've learned? What are the experiences that I've had? What have those things given me? But I think you've also got to think about this, get into this reinvention mindset and say, what is it I want to do next? What is it I love? What is it I care about? What am I passionate about? And then to Lisa's point, you can build that kind of value add from that. So I think that that's definitely one thing. I think the second thing is about really understanding the company or the industry that or the sector that you want to go into because I know that you know the first stage in the process to join Facebook is a telephone interview with a recruiter and they will expect you to know something about the company so you know why do you want to join Facebook and you know they're very good at, at kind of filtering that and saying well is you know is this something that somebody's <laughs> are they genuinely interested in working for the company and why are they passionate about it so um i think you know there, there's there's definitely preparation that needs to be done and can be done and as Oz and lisa both said there's a fantastic network of veterans working in lots of different sectors that are willing to you know to share their experiences um, and to give kind of tips you know to help people prepare so if I was thinking about applying to Facebook or Barclays or CyberSafe, um, might I then look, and also we've spoken about it, the companies that have signed up to the covenant. And, and mm. so I could look and think, right, actually Facebook will have a veterans association within it and reach out within. Yeah. Find a way of, you know, finding somebody within and just saying, I understand you. You know, so as you say, doing your due diligence before you begin, finding a, a veteran friendly company, as it were, at least is it is a good first step. As we bring it to a close then, what's the one message that you would uh, like to, to sort of deliver to an employer who might be listening and also to a, a veteran who is listening? What would be your takeaway thoughts? So I think for a veteran, it would be, you know, don't be frightened of reinvention. You know, embrace it. Um, because actually it's incredibly liberating incredibly kind of powerful you know to to actually go through that process it can be very positive um so that that would definitely be my message to uh you know to veterans i think for employers um it's take the time to really understand what you know who veterans are what we bring um and the difference that we can make to a company and i think i mentioned to you Okay, you know, I had my one conversation with Cheryl Sandberg at Facebook a couple of weeks ago. I had to get that in. You know, my my only conversation in five years. But but what was really kind of wonderful was the fact that she really wanted to understand the stories. And it was very clear to her from that what veterans bring to Facebook as an as an organization. And for somebody that, you know, is essentially number two in the company 
you know, to recognise that. Um, you know, that, that, was, that was a pretty powerful thing. Um, so I think we need more employers to kind of, you know, really help understand who the veterans are within the organisation, what they bring, and, you know, ultimately, how can we bring more talent into, into the organisation? Nice, thank you. I think for me, the, um, the message to veterans would be to um, not hold back. In fact, um, to go above and beyond. The, 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 the challenge in the civilian um, employment space is that lots of people want great jobs mm. and lots of organizations are looking for great people. And uh, you will have to go out of your way to demonstrate that. Don't be afraid of that. Don't shy away from it. Lean into it. You are more than adequately prepared. If you want it bad enough, show that. Do the work, turn up fully prepared, and enjoy the process and learn from it. And don't take knockbacks as um, failure. Take knockbacks as learning, as you would do in anything else, as we've done all the way through your military career. So that would be my message to, uh, to the veteran community. Lean into it. Um, to employers, uh, I would say not just open your minds, but embrace the opportunity that exists, which is to make your life easier. If you're looking for certain things, as a shortcut to just find those areas. If you're looking for people who are resilient, robust, um, like a challenge, willing to turn their hands to lots of different things, competent and able to manage different types of tasks and different types of roles, maybe have a leadership invested in them in a way that you probably aren't going to be able to do, then the veteran community presents an opportunity, a place to start to look but not every single veteran will be right for you. So don't discount the community, the opposite. Just put them in the pool of people to consider and truly consider them. I wish I'd gone first now, Kate. Um, <laughs> so I think uh, to the business, uh, along very similar lines, as I think if the last sort of 14 months has told us anything, is that businesses need a certain type of person to lead them through crises. And I think we'd all be very short-sighted if we thought this pandemic was the only thing that was going to throw, you know, a mountain in the way of, uh, you know, moving forward. Um, so what type of person are you looking for? And I think the last period has shown us it's people who are resilient, people who can lead in a crisis, people who can slot into a team and make decisions and, you know, and take ownership of those decisions. And I think if, you're, if you identify and can articulate what skills you are looking for, within your business, and, and this is across all sectors, that very much leads you to the veteran community. You know, those are our transferable skills. Those are the things that we can bring. That's our value add. Uh, so that's what I would say to the businesses. To the veterans, and something we haven't really touched on is, is one, obviously, do your due diligence, but also understand that company, do your homework on the company, and are you the right cultural fit for that company? Because you're not going to fit everywhere and, and you know not everyone will suit every company and, and we've mentioned this a few times so if do look at the company is it a cultural fit for you and if it is then progress but if it's not then don't be afraid to park you know an opportunity just because the job there it might not be the right opportunity for you and I think it's far more important to land the right job than any job. Thank you so much to my guests today Lisa Marr, Oz Alashe and Andy Milop. In our next episode, we look at the extraordinary quality of resilience. I hope you'll join me then on Veterans Work, the podcast. Bye-bye.